Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and many others. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send questions, comments, feedback, or guest suggestions to bcfpodcast.vhha.com. That's bcfpodcast.vhha.com. I'm Selena Laura with VHHA, and today we're joined by Dr. Samuel Chavone, a psychiatrist with the Nova Fairfax Hospital, for a conversation about his background, work, the condition of seasonal affective disorder, and more. With that, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, hi. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We like to start each episode by uncorking the bottle, so to speak, and giving our guests some breathing room for a proper introduction. Dr. Chavon, we know that you are a psychiatrist and a U.S. Navy veteran. In addition to your clinical role with ANOVA, you work in academia as an assistant professor at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. That brief description only scratches the surface of who you are as a person and professional. So if you would, please tell us some essential things about you and your unique story that you'd like listeners to know. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that, that's very cool that you knew all that. I'm not sure how you found that out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Virginia native. I, I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. And then from there, I went to James Madison University. So go Dukes. We're currently still undefeated going into a, a big weekend this Saturday. And then, yeah, I mean, I joined the Navy as a psychiatrist from Georgetown residency. Just, you know, I guess I had, you know, military family members, my, my grandfathers in particular. So I just wanted to do something in that regard to help our veterans and folks going overseas. And so I did that for about five years and just left. I left, in, uh, I guess, July technically and came back to Virginia and then came to Inova to be part of the Northern Virginia community and, and treat our amazing people who are here. So it's very rewarding, very fun experience for me. Awesome. Thank you. So to level set a bit, we should note here that data indicates that demand for mental and behavioral health care in inpatient and outpatient settings is rising, as more Americans say their mental outlook has declined, particularly post-COVID. It is also important to point out that healthcare workforce challenges also impact the field of mental and behavioral health care. With that background, could you tell us about your work at ANOVA Fairfax Hospital, including the types of patients you care for and your observations about trends regarding demand for that care? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess I've been practicing psychiatry since 2014, yeah. And it does seem like our population generally has gotten a lot sicker. I'm seeing more treatment resistance and just difficult to treat depression, bipolar, schizophrenia. You know, you have it. And why that could be, you know, maybe it is COVID. Maybe COVID has sunk into our brains and, and making mental health treatment and illnesses worse. Or, you know, the other thought is that because of the isolation, we've gotten worse or because of, you know, the quarantine and afraid of going out that we just have been putting off getting better, putting off treatment, putting off exercise, you know, things that would help us. And, and maybe that's playing a role or maybe it's all of the above. But yeah, it's just something I've noticed here, especially that you know, where I guess we're behind the ball and kind of getting help. But another great thing, I think, is that this is happening, this podcast is happening, that people are talking about getting treatment and that there is more opportunities because of COVID, I think. You know, all these virtual platforms, 
and just it's become, you know, more, I think, okay to talk about. Whereas, you know, prior to COVID, you know, there was kind of a difference. You know, now we can see celebrities, commercials, people talking about getting help, which is great. And in the name of disclosure, we invited Dr. Siobhan to appear on the show after reading an article quoting him on the topic of seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, which you've described as a different type of depression. Could you provide us with a brief overview on what seasonal affective disorder is? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, seasonal affective disorder, yeah, would be a kind of a, a subset of major depressive disorder. And it's most commonly associated with, you know, the winter time. You know, it could be called winter depression. And, you know, I guess the thought process is, or, you know, one of the leading hypotheses is, is that as we're losing sunlight, you know, as the time shifts and we're getting winter time, that it affects our circadian rhythm and that, much like maybe thinking about mammals who hibernate as the season changes, you know, they not be, might not be conscious of doing that. It just might be a, just a reaction that their brain does as the light changes. And what that looks like for mammals is very similar to what it looks like for, for somebody experiencing, you know, sad or seasonal affective disorder where we sleep a lot more, we eat a lot more, we gain weight, and then, you know, fortunately we feel very depressed, which could be the difference. And, and why that might be could just be that it's just it's very hard to do that. You know, we don't like gaining weight. We don't like sleeping a lot. We don't like having low energy. Maybe there's a psychological component that, you know, the humans have that we um, develop depression because of this. So, yeah, the, the treatment for this would be just conventional treatment of just antidepressants like SSRIs or actually using light therapy to treat this, which can be very effective. Thank you so much. It is estimated that perhaps as many as 5% of U.S. adults or about 10 million people experience seasonal affective disorder, with symptoms lasting as long as 4 to 5 months coinciding with the cold, dark period around winter. In other words, this is not an uncommon disorder. It's also the case that many people may consider winter a more bleak time of year. From a clinical perspective, what are some symptoms or signs that a person may be experiencing seasonal affective disorder rather than just routine mood fluctuations? Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, I saw earlier that I think it's if somebody's going to the clinic for depression, it's like one out of 10 or one out of eight times that they could have seasonal affective depression. So something to be on the lookout for. And the biggest thing is that it's no different than major depression disorder in a way. I mean, these, the, the kind of the hallmarks are losing pleasure in activities that you're used to enjoy. We call that anhedonia or just feeling sad more than you would like to or more than than noticeable for men that could be irritability. They might have a hard time expressing sadness, but at least the loss of pleasure would kind of be um, uh, indicated in both. And then for the for seasonal affective disorder, these people are going to be again eating more and sleeping more and gaining weight. And then you know, of course, the thoughts of suicide. That would kind of be another big difference and separating is, is just normal fluctuations and I just need to exercise more or is it something more serious? So anytime we're thinking about suicide, you know, that is for sure more serious and we need to get help. Thank you. And you've kind of touched on this already, but seeking professional help is advisable for people who are struggling mentally. So what are some approaches to treating this condition and living with it? One I've read about is dawn stimulation therapy, which as I understand it is different than light therapy. Can you explain some of those approaches and how they differ? Yeah, of course. So therapy is where we actually use, you know, light to try and stimulate the sun as much as possible and it's a little bit harder to do the dawn stimulation therapy in that you have to sit in front of a lamp 
that needs to be 10,000 lux is kind of the unit for light intensity. You know, the sun, I believe, on a, you know, sunny day is maybe like 30,000 or 50,000 lux. So it's nowhere near that, but it's enough to make the changes. So you have to do 30 minutes a day recommended to kind of do in the morning, you know, after you wake up and, you know, you just sit in front of it. You can read. Some people might do it on their Peloton. It just has to be in front of you. But you can't stare at it, obviously, it can cause, you know, damage to your eyes, I guess, you know, be looking at the sun. But at least it's near you and, and hitting your face in some capacity, so maybe the corner of your eye. Versus dawn simulation therapy, where it's a little bit easier to do. You just buy this lamp and you program it to slowly get brighter and brighter about 90 minutes before uh, you wake up. So it's shifting your circadian rhythm in the sense that it's simulating that the sun is rising on time as opposed to, you know, later in the day of, during the winter time. And both of those treatments are effective, but should be done with a psychiatrist. I wouldn't do these on your own because there are risks involved. You know, one could be that, you know, with treatment for depression, persons can develop mania and that could happen with light therapy too. So these should be done under the, you know, the supervision of a, of a doctor. Thank you so much. And thanks so much again for being with us today. Before we let you go, we do have a tradition on the Patients Come First podcast to ask our guests a pair of fun personal questions. To keep things interesting, we've got a list of 10 mystery questions. So please choose two numbers between 1 and 10, and I'll ask you the corresponding questions. Okay, yeah, very fun. I'll do... Uh and number seven. All right. Number two, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? There's a book, album, and what was the other one? A movie. Oh, a movie. That's good. Oh, wow. Okay. A book. Probably, I guess I, oh man, I don't know. I would probably choose Dune, I think. I'm a big sci-fi fan, and that book is always very interesting to me. Album. Oh, man, so many good ones. But I guess lately I've been getting back into to Rush, so maybe I would do, yeah, 2112 by Rush. I would do, yeah, 2112 by Rush. And that movie, it's not out yet, but I'm, I'm very excited for Napoleon. I'm not built like other men. Generals gathered in their masses. Move along now. Those in power only see me as a brute, unfit for higher office. Just like witches at Black Masses. But I follow in the footsteps of Alexander the Great and Caesar. Comes out next week, so I'm assuming it's going to be amazing, and I can watch that probably over and over again. So I'm going to choose that one in anticipation of the new movie. Awesome, those are great answers. And number seven, you could choose one superpower to have or any one skill to instantly master. What would it be and why? Oh, wow. One skill. And probably playing guitar. Yeah. I mean, I really want to learn how to play guitar, but it's hard to get the time and it's just hard to do. 
So if I could instantly play guitar, that would be amazing. Love that answer. And that will bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And we want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Samuel Chavon, for joining us today. So thank you. Thank you.